Well, we're going to be talking today about marriage, and uh, for those of you that are married or have been married, you know that it isn't quite that simple, is it? Um, and uh, and if you're uh, if if you're you know hearing either here in person or or on the live stream, uh, and you're listening to this message or on the podcast, and then you want to go back and kind of relive the message and maybe maybe dive a little deeper into it, we do have some discussion questions that we're putting together. If you go go to wfa.church slash family series. There's some discussion questions on there, just things to, to prompt some different ideas and, uh, and different things that, uh, that you might want to think about as it comes to this topic and uh, Pastor Allen's message from last week, Pastor Jerry's message from week one. So we've been putting these discussion questions up. Uh, in fact, in week one, Pastor Jerry explained that if we want to raise godly generations, we need to spend time in prayer and in Bible study as a family, that we need to have a relationship with God, not just individually, but communally as well. And when we do that, then we will help to raise godly generations. Pastor Allen did a great job last week of sharing that in every season of life, but especially in our singleness, that we need to ask the question, is God enough for me? And in fact, the success of what we're going to talk about today is dependent on how you ask or how you answer that question from Pastor Allen last week. This, this, idea, this question, is God enough for me? Because if we're, not, if, if we're not first firm in our foundation with Jesus, then our marriage is always going to be rocky. Our marriage is always going to be rough. But when we can answer that question in a, in a uh, solid way that says, yes, God is enough for me, then we're not looking to our spouse to fulfill us and to complete us. So this week, we're going to look at God's design for marriage. God created marriage to help shape us and to, be a big pi- and to be a picture of our relationship with him. So even though we're talking about marriage specifically, I think the concepts that we're going to talk about today is going to, to help us in whatever stage of life and wherever, whatever relationships you're in. Building a marriage is a lot like building a house. If the foundation isn't right, it can cause a whole bunch of problems later on in the build. Uh, you can have things like walls that lean or floors that are, that are unstable. My parents actually, they said that the first house that they bought, if they dropped an egg on the floor, it would roll to the other end of the kitchen. Foundation problems can cause a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of different, different issues. Um, but in addition to foundation, there's a lot that goes in to building a house and you need to have you need to have structures in place that that will help to to keep things steady keep things stable and uh, and so as we look today at marriage we're going to be talking about some of those structures some of those foundations some of those walls that we can put up in order to help our marriage be the best that it can be have you ever bought something that needed to be assembled. Maybe you went to Ikea, bought a piece of furniture. Uh, for us, just recently, we bought a new barbecue back in the springtime, and uh, you, you open the box, and there are thousands of pieces, and it's, it's hard to figure out. Uh, stuff doesn't always go the way that you think it should, and then you find that little piece of paper that's got all of the detailed plans that the maker created this piece of paper in order to help you 
put it together. Well, today as we go through, uh, we're going to look at the Bible and we're going to be talking about the, the plans, the design that the maker had for us in order to be able to assemble our marriages the way that God wanted them. Imagine trying to build a house without any blueprints. Who knows where things would end up? I want to look at the structure that supports the house and holds everything together. We're going to look at four things that happy couples do in order to maintain, and not just maintain, but to grow their relationships. These four things flow from your relationship with God and are built on top of that firm foundation that we have in Christ Jesus. If you've ever been to a wedding, you've probably heard today's scripture quoted, but we're going to be reading out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. It says this, it says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it, is not, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, quick word of warning for you guys. What we're going to talk about today is hard stuff. But if we do it, if we, if we really buckle down and get this right, we're going to see our marriages grow. We're going to see our, our marriages strengthened. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to find the design that God has for our marriage. Today, we're going to walk through this passage together. And we're going to talk about God's design for relationships. So before we get into that, I want, to, uh, I want to ask you guys a question. I want to ask you, what's in your box? What's in your box? You see, all of us come into a, a relationship, and especially before we're in a, a relationship, and we've got hopes and dreams and desires, right? And, uh, and so for some of you guys, it might be, um, you know, something that's really important to me is spending Christmas with my family. You know, I want to make sure that I spend Christmas with, with my family. And so this is one of, your, one of your desires for marriage. And so when you go into a dating and then a marriage relationship, you're like, I, I want to spend Christmas with my family. For some of you guys, it, it might be how you raise your kids, right? Who's going to be the, the one that disciplines them? Who's going to be the one that is, uh, is responsible? Uh, how many kids you're going to have? Things like that. Uh, it, might be, it might be who fixes things right? It might be, might be who's, the, who's the one that, that gets out there and, and changes the oil in the car or rebuilds something when it breaks. It might be uh, who's going to be the one that pays the bills, right? And, and so, and, and, you know, we know that, that money conflicts and, and fights about money are, are one of the, the biggest causes of marital stress and ultimately divorce is, is because, of, because of this one right here. It might be, it might be uh, cooking, right? Who's, who's going to be doing the, doing the cooking and the, and the cleaning? And so you come into a marriage relationship with all of these hopes and desires, and you've got all of these things that you are expecting from your spouse. Uh, the problem is when you put all of these things in your box here, and then you get married, and you take this box and you hand it to your spouse, what happens? Well, this isn't, this isn't uh, hopes and dreams and desires anymore, is it? No, this is, a, this is a heavy burden that that person has to try and fulfill, 
This is, a, this is a heavy thing that all of a sudden they're stuck dealing with because you've got all of these expectations and it's just burdening them. It's just wearing them down. And so we want to, we want to make sure that as we, as we approach our, um, our, our perfect family, and I've got a picture that we're going to put up on the screen. You know, a lot of us think that this is, this is what the perfect family should look like. We're on the beach. We're, we're all jumping in unison in the, in the sunset. Uh, it's, a, it's a great picture, right? Um, I, I picked this one because you can't see their faces. You have no idea what the kids look like, you know. Um, but we wanted to, you know, we, we want the perfect family. The problem is that all of us have a different definition of what the perfect family looks like, and we have a different definition of what's important to us. Um, during dating, when we're, when we're dating, when we're still courting the person, we tend to hide this box, right? We stick it somewhere, somewhere back over here. We're like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to... I'm not going to show you all this yet. I don't want you to think I'm weird. I don't want you to think I'm needy. I don't want you to think I'm desperate or any of those things. And so we hide our box away. But then when, when you get married, if you want to be happy in your marriage, you need to start letting some of those things out. And so you start, you start pulling them out one by one. And you're like, okay, uh, whose house should we spend Thanksgiving at this year? Right? And, or, or you're like, you know, I, I can't believe we're three months behind on our rent because neither one of us decided to pay the bills. Um, Things like that. And so you have all of these different, different things that pop up, all of these issues that pop up. Um, and, and, and so as, as that happens, then, then my box spills on you a little bit and your box spills on me a little bit. And suddenly we're, we're burdened with these expectations. The expectations cause conflict. And then what happens in that conflict? All of our marriages are under construction. We're, we're, constantly, we're constantly battling this. Whether, whether you are single and looking to get married someday, whether you are currently married or whether you are, uh, you know, or whether you've been married for 50 years. All of us, our marriages are continually under construction. We continually have new expectations, new things that, that pop up. It might be who's going to take care of our parents when, when they are, you know, when they are sick or, or when they are, are getting older, um, things like that. And so you have these expectations that pop up even later in life that you haven't had to deal with before. Um, but God has created a structure for us. God, in these next few minutes, what I want us to do is I want us to see some of the beams and the support. So again, our foundation is that question that Pastor Allen talked about last week, is God enough for you? But once you've answered that, once that is good and level, then these are the things that you start to build upon this. Now, this, this thing that we're going to talk about today isn't the end-all, be-all of marriage advice. Um, I, I do not have enough time, and you guys would not sit here long enough for me to give you all of the thoughts and a, a comprehensive list of everything you need to know about marriage. But this is a big step, and so this is one of these supports that we need in our marriage in order, to, in order, to be, uh, in order for our marriage to be strong. So let's pray, and then we're going to dive into the Word of God together. Father God, we just, uh, we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity right now that we have to come to you and, and to begin to, um, to, to, to learn and to understand what you want for our marriages. God, I thank you that you designed marriage as a picture of what you want for us. And so, God, I pray that, uh, that even, even today as we look at our relationships, whether we're married or single, uh, God, that we would, that we would have uh, a... a Lord, that you would soften our hearts, God, and help us to accept this truth from your word today. And Lord, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, so 1 Corinthians 13, I read it on the video, but I want to read it again right here. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Now, if you aren't making a list in your heart right now of all of the things that you do, uh, I, I would encourage you guys to, as we're, as we're reading through this, just, just be thinking, am I patient? Am I kind? Do I keep record of wrongs? Am I easily angered? Those types of things. Because he's, he's saying, you know, as we love, as we love, this is how love responds in situations. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And we're going to come back to this one specifically in a few minutes. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And the beginning of verse 8 says, love never fails. So today, in the next few minutes, I want to talk about four things that happy couples know. Um, but, but really, each of these things builds one after the other. And then, uh, and then at the end, I'll give you my, the, the kind of overarching theme um, when, when we get there. But the first one, the first thing that happy couples know is happy couples know that they owe each other everything, but they're not owed anything in return. So happy couples know that they owe each other everything, but they're not owed anything in return. When, when I was talking to, to Tiffany about this, and, and we were talking about marriage advice and stuff, she said, she said that her biggest piece of marriage advice that she would give you guys today is that marriage is not 50-50. Marriage, you can't go into a, uh, into a marriage expecting equality expecting I give 50% effort and you give 50% effort. Instead, marriage needs to be 100-100. Happy couples know that they owe each other everything, but they're not owed anything in return. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2 says, And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walk in the way of love, it says. I want you to, to walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And so this is a picture, right, of how our marriages are supposed to be. Just as Christ loved us, so I want you to love each other, he says. So going back to our, our box then, we can't push our expectations on our spouse, friends, or coworkers. Christ gave up everything for us, and we should give ourselves to each other in the same way. This sounds like a great, mess, great, great recipe for an intact marriage, right? For a marriage that stays together, if I am constantly giving up my expectations, I, I put them down over here, and I walk away from my expectations, and I'm wholly devoted to serving you. Sounds like a great recipe for an intact marriage, but, but what just happened to my expectations? Which is, you know, I, I had to leave all of, and remember, these expectations are expectations for my spouse, but for me, they're my hopes, my dreams, and my desires, right? And so I had to walk away from everything that I wanted in order to please the other person. That, that makes the other person happy, and it should keep the marriage together, but what does it do, what does it do for me? It, it sounds like a great recipe for an intact marriage, but maybe not one that's particularly happy. Number two, okay? Uh, so the first one, again, happy couples know they owe each other everything, but they're not owed anything in return. Number two, happy couples know putting each other first means choosing to be last. So if I'm going to elevate you, if I'm going to put you first, then that means that I necessarily have to take a step backwards, right? Kind of the same as the first one, but it, it builds on it. 
just a little bit. Ephesians 5.21, submit yourselves to one another, or submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. And this isn't getting much better, is it? It's okay to laugh. It's all right. Um, maybe put some laughing emojis in the chat, too, just so I know you guys are tracking with me. Um, it, it's, not, it's not getting much better when we start talking about submission. When we start talking about, I need to lower myself in order that you might be raised up. It, it, this is, I, like I said in the video, this is hard stuff that God is asking of us. I need, to get, I need to give up my needs and help her fulfill her needs. I need to sacrifice. But I want you to remember as we go through these that, that we're talking about God's design for marriage. We're talking about what God wants for us in marriage and how God built it. And, and we have a, a foundation of trust in God that he's going to see us through. And so, so one, of the, one of the questions, again, that, that we need to ask ourselves is, is, is God enough? So if I'm leaving my box behind, if I'm walking away from my box, is God enough? Is God enough? So, put that back up there. Happy couples, number three, happy couples know that when one person wins, the relationship loses. Okay, so now we're trying to starting to turn the corner just a little bit. So the first one, first point was about um, I, I owe everything, and I'm not owed anything in return. Second point was putting each other first means I'm choosing to be last. But now we're going to say happy couples know that when one person wins, it's not I lose, but we lose. When one person wins, it's not me that loses, it's we that loses. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says this. It says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. It says, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. When we have a conflict in our relationship, and again, this applies not just to marriage, but this applies to, uh, this applies to co-workers and, and friends and family. Uh, when, we have, when we have conflicts in our relationships, we need to choose the route of humility. Now, if you want to hear a great message on humility, uh, some guy named Jeff Graham talked about it on July 12th. You can go back on the podcast and you can, you can listen to that. And because I'm so humble... I'm not going to say any more about it. Um. <laughs> so, so here's what we're saying. So we're saying when conflict comes, I'm going to choose to be humble. When conflict comes, I'm going to choose. So what does humility look like, right? What does humility look like? Well, it's patient and it's kind and it doesn't get easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs right? And, and all of these things, if, if you say it a, about love, you could just as easily say it about being humble. It, it listens first. Um, and uh, again, I, I talked about this last month on, on July 12th, so you guys are, are welcome to go back and listen to that if you want some more thoughts about being humble. Um, so this does not mean choose to get walked on, right? It doesn't, it doesn't mean that, that uh, I'm going to just lay down and let my spouse or let the, you know, let my, my parents or my friends or whoever just walk all over me. Just treat me like, like garbage. Okay, that's not what this is saying. Humility is not the same thing as just being completely subservient to another person. 
Um, because, again, if one of you wins, you both lose. If one of you wins, you both lose. Sometimes that's okay. Sometimes, sometimes it has to happen that way. But a relationship can only take so many losses before things start to fall apart. And we know this to be true in, in lots of areas of life. And then point number four, happy couples, and, and I think this is, uh, this is the, the one that kind of ties everything together. Happy couples make a habit of choosing to believe the best about their spouse. Happy couples make a habit of choosing to believe the best about their self. And if we go back to 1 Corinthians 13, it says this. It says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love is always looking for the best in somebody. Love is, is always expecting that if my spouse is coming home late from work, it's because they had to work late. Not because they decided to go and get a few drinks down at the bar. Not because they decided to, you know, they were uh, hanging out with their secretary for too long or uh, any of those types of things. Not, not because they are, are angry or upset, but love believes the best. Love expects the best. Love, love, uh, love wants, is always looking for the best in somebody else. There was a study done that, that highlights this truth and, and is going to help us, I, I think, tie everything together. Um, and, uh, and so I didn't write it in my notes, but I, I remember it. So, um, I, I might get a couple of the details just a little bit wrong, but there was a, a study done. There've been several studies done now, uh, but one in particular looked at, uh, about 700 couples and they asked them a series of questions to rate their spouse on things like how honest they were, how trustworthy they were, how kind they were, how patient they were and things like that. And then they ask them to, to rate their marriage health overall, how, how happy they are, how uh, uh, living with their spouse, how successful they are, things like that. So they, they went through all of these questions with all of these different couples and, and asked them for, uh, for their impression of their spouse and then their impression of, uh, their, uh, their, I'm sorry, their impression of their spouse, their impression of themselves, and then their impression of the relationship as a whole. And what they found, so they went into it with this assumption, and their assumption was that people that rated themselves about equally would have the best relationships. So this, is, this was their thinking. They thought, if, if I feel like I'm um, impatient, you know, so I give myself a 3 out of 10 because, because I, I tend to be more impatient, and Tiffany also gives me a 3 out of 10, then, then they know that, that we know each other pretty well. We've lived together long enough. And one thing that's important to note is the average length of relationship in these studies was over 10 years. So these were people that had been together for quite a while, that had experienced the ups and downs of life together. This, this was not newlyweds, but these were people that had been together for a long time. And so what they, what they found, though, as they were doing this study, is, is that it wasn't, there, wasn't, um, there wasn't not a correlation with, with what I just said, that, that uh, if you knew your spouse well, then it was, um, then your relationship was good. They said there, there wasn't a, uh, um, it wasn't a non-factor, but they said, they said the, the one thing that stood out to them over everything else was the happiest relationships, the relationships where people were, were most, uh, were most fulfilled, were most happy, were the ones where the spouse consistently rated their spouse as higher than the spouse rated themselves. So I gave myself a three for patience, but Tiffany gave me a five for patience. And, 
And if that happened over, over the course of all of these questions, then when they got to the questions about how happy are you, how fulfilled are you, and things like that, they noticed that those people tend to rank their marriages higher than, than other people, not knowing what answers their spouse was giving on, on this test. And, uh, and so their, their conclusion um, was, was pretty brilliant. They, they said that, that what, what, they, what they believe happened, and, and I think the Scripture bears this out, is that, that um, when I see the best in my spouse, when I see qualities in her that she doesn't even see in herself, they said what happens is we create this upward spiral of happiness. Uh, they actually, in the, in the study, they referred to it as delusion. Um, because, because you are, you're kind of, you're kind of seeing your spouse um, with, with rose-colored glasses, right? With, with puppy dog eyes. You're, you're, you're looking at your spouse and, and you're, you're seeing the best in them all of the time. And yet what, what happens there is they said that it creates this upward spiral of happiness. Because there is safety and security in the relationship, because I'm not qu- constantly questioning her motive, she's not constantly questioning me because it's not every, every interaction starts with a fight or starts with, you know, I don't feel like I need to hide anything. All of these things, because there is this upward spiral of, of happiness, um, it, 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 it creates a sense of safety and therefore people can be themselves and therefore, therefore their relationships are stronger. Now, they weren't content just to leave it at this one study, but they took these, these couples that rated the happiest and they tracked them over the course of several years. So they, they didn't just take one snapshot of their marriage because, you know, in, in that moment, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Tiffany just bought me a new car or something. And so I'm feeling really great about Tiffany in that moment. But they tracked them over several years to see how their marriages would respond, thinking that maybe they were just on a high right now, but they're going to drop back down. You know, you're, you're at the peak, but you're going to drop back down. What they found as they tracked these couples was that, that actually what ended up happening is their marriages grew stronger. And their, their marriages were even happier and healthier years down the line than they were in the moment that they took that test. And so what, what this leads me to conclude, uh, and I think that, that uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 6 bears this out. You know, it says, it says that, that love keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. In other words, love isn't seeking evil. Love isn't seeking for something to be wrong. Love isn't seeking for, for the reason why something bad is happening. But instead, love uh, rejoices in the truth. So love is always seeking after what's good. And, you know, love, love leaves room, obviously, if something bad is happening and something bad does happen, uh, then, then love leaves room for that as well. But its initial response, its initial test. It, the, the first thing that love does is it trusts. It hopes. It says, verse 7, it protects, it trusts, it hopes, and it perseveres. And so that's what I want for us today. Um, I guess if I was going to tie this whole thing together, I might say it like this. Marriage is a submission competition. Marriage is a submission competition. It's a race to the back of the line. And what we've, what we've learned today through these, through these four points is we've learned that, that we all have a box of expectations. We all have a, a box of things that, that, we, that we want to, um, to, you know, our hopes, our dreams, and our desires. We've all got this box. But being in a relationship means that I might need to leave that box behind, at least, for, at least temporarily. 
But if I'm leaving my box behind and Tiffany is leaving her box behind, or if you're leaving your box behind and your spouse is leaving their box behind, then what ends up happening is the relationship loses as one of you loses. And so in, in a relationship, then I'm looking at, okay, the way that you want to raise your kids, right? And, uh, and I, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at your design for, for uh, raising kids and my design for raising kids. And, and, what, and, and because I know that if one of us wins, then the other one and the relationship loses, then I'm going to seek for the good of the, of the relationship. I'm going to seek to compromise. And not only that, but, but I know that, that when I do that, um, I know that when I do that, when I, when I take, take that step and say, okay, I'm going to trust you, I'm going to believe you, I'm going to, to, to listen to what you're saying, then, then I know that it's going to help create this upward spiral of happiness that's going to lead to a stronger and better relationship down the line. God designed marriage to make us more like him. And this is exactly what he did for us. God designed marriage to, to make me more like him. It's not just a picture of, of our, our relationship with God, but it's actually, you know, the, the fire that we go through in order to be refined, in order to become more like Jesus. And so as we learn this concept, as we learn this principle to, to submit to each other, we're becoming more like Jesus. And this is exactly what Jesus did for us. When we were still sinners, the Bible says, he chose to look past our faults. He looked to look, chose to look past our failing. He chose to look past our sin. And he sent his son to die for us. This allows us to have a relationship with him. And it gives us the strength to lay ourselves down for others the way he sacrificed for us. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus today, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us in just a minute. When, when I pray, um, if you're in here and you want to be, begin a relationship with Jesus, just go ahead and raise your hand. If you're watching us online, just go ahead and like the comment that's in the chat and, and we, will, we will get back to you. We would love to connect with you. If, if you give your heart to Jesus today, make sure to connect with one of the pastors, whether here in person or you can do it online as well. Um, but we want, to get to, we want to get to know you. We want to help you as you begin this relationship together. But I'm going to pray for us. If that's you in here or watching online, just go ahead and raise your hand right now and just say, I want to, give, I want to accept Jesus into my heart. Let me pray for you. Father God, I just thank you for this opportunity that we've had right now, Lord, to, 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 um, to see the picture that you have for us. God, I pray that, that, Lord, just as we need to submit ourselves to each other, just as we need to lay ourselves down for each other, God, I pray that you would also help us to, to lay ourselves down to you now because we know that if we don't submit to you, we're, we're not going to be able to, to submit to each other, that this is the foundation. So God, I just pray right now, Lord, for those that are turning their hearts to you, Lord, whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, God, I pray that you would speak to them right now in Jesus' name, Lord. And God, I just pray that, that Father, you would, uh, you would encourage them, help them to be the, the, uh, be the Lord of their life. And God, I pray that, that, Lord, you would just be with them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you guys got something out of this, we do have some discussion questions available for you. If you go to wfa.church slash family series, 
uh, we want to we want to make those available to you. It'd be a great there, there's a great set of questions in there that you could go through with your spouse even uh, help you identify maybe some of the expectations that you have and, and help you to, to to figure out where you need to, to go from here. Um, thank you guys so much for being here either on the on the live stream or in person. We're just we're just so delighted that you guys uh, were able to, to join us this morning. If, if this impacted you, one, one more thing that I would love for you guys to do, uh, just share this video. Let somebody else know about it because I believe that this concept, this thing that we're talking about today has the ability to change relationships and to change lives. So if you know somebody that's going through a hard time, make sure to, to share it with them. Let me pray for you guys. And then for those of you that are here in person, we're gonna dismiss row by row. Um, and for those of you guys that are watching on the live stream, uh, we love you and thank you guys for being here today. Father God, we just thank you for, for this word. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that's, that's living and active, that, that, that is saying the words that I don't know how to say. And God, you're doing things that I don't know how to do. God, I pray that you would speak to us right now, Lord. And God, I pray that you would just touch our hearts and lives. And God, we just thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen.